Hey, Real Talk Podcast listeners, should Calgary Mayor Jody Gondek have told a little white lie to get out of that city's annual menorah lighting at City Hall? Down in the States, how many more university presidents need to resign? Oh, and around the world, have climate change doomsday prophets lost the room? In this episode of Real Talk, Charles Adler gives us a healthy dose of Canadian common sense. This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. It is two weeks till Christmas. I want to thank you for joining us on this episode of Real Talk in just a second. Per our tradition, the first episode of every week. It is a Monday after all. We'll check in with Charles Adler. There's been a lot going on uh, here at home in our neck of the woods, so to speak, as well as internationally. And we'll get to as many stories with him as we can, including the politics of Hanukkah. You say, wait a second, what? Well, Calgary's mayor uh, being widely criticized is Dr. Jody Kondek for refusing to attend, for reneging on plans to attend that city's menorah lighting ceremony, citing the politics of it, saying it's pro-Israel message just didn't resonate with her. It wasn't something she felt comfortable attending. It's drawn the ire of critics like columnist Don Braid, who in a scathing editorial has proclaimed that Gondek is not fit to be the mayor of Calgary. We'll ask Chuck what he thinks about that. Plus, uh, the University of Pennsylvania, Penn U's president, resigns after congressional testimony on what's acceptable and what's not when it comes to expressions on campus by students, faculty, and staff. In this case, anti-Semitism, I suspect, will broaden the conversation from there. We have a uh, an email here written by Kyle into the show, and we could have presented it as part of the flamethrower on Friday. You know our tradition presented by the DQs of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. When you got something to say, when you're pissed off, quite frankly, this is your weekly opportunity to put an email out there. But it's it's written to Adler. So I thought we'd save it for Monday. We've given Chuck the heads up that he's going to face some fire on this, but he doesn't know what it's about. I'll let you know. It's it's about inflation and carbon tax, and there's a whole bunch of numbers that we'll try not to get wallowed down in. But the spirit of Kyle's email is one that I think might resonate with Adler, so we'll go there. Plus, we've learned more about the Indian government's uh, assassination plots on uh, Canadians and Americans. You'll remember when the Prime Minister put this out there a while ago, we talked about it, a remarkable interview that we did with Harman Singh Kandola. You remember that? Johnny, that was on TikTok. I think it had something like 600,000 views or yeah, something one of on our TikTok. Biggest. One of our biggest. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the message that Harman brought to the table had resonated with people, but there were critics. I think mostly just because it was Justin Trudeau. People like Pierre Polyev saying, where's the proof? We want the proof. Well, now the more that we learn, the more we realize the Indian government's involvement in this has been. And it's not just murder plots. It's foreign interference in elections and leadership campaigns politically. And and there's a whole lot to get up to speed on. And so we'll do that in this episode of the show which is presented by our friends at Rello, who have a pretty simple message for you this time of year. If you're looking at 2024 as a time for new opportunities, as a time to maybe launch a new career, if the idea of being your own boss, running a thriving business, and leaving that lousy cubicle life behind resonates with you, a career in real estate could be your perfect match. 
your number one move, the best place to start is enrolling with Rello. That's R-E-L-O. Rello is Alberta's top real estate school, and they're here to support you every step of the way from studying for your exam, getting your license, and beyond. The best part about it, you can study online on your own schedule, so it's convenient more than anywhere else. And right now, a great offer for real talkers. You're going to knock 20% off the price of any Rello course. 20% off with the code REALTALK. That's all one word, REALTALK at Rello.ca. Charles Adler is an Emmy Award-winning talk radio legend, an RTDNA Lifetime Achievement Award winner, and of course, my dance partner. The first episode of every week. It's great to see you, my friend. How was your weekend? Do I ever step on your toes, partner? Do you ever step on my toes? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sometimes you... I'm your dance partner. I just want to know if I ever step on your toes. I don't know. Uh, what, what's the, what's prompting the question? I don't know how to answer it. Well, I, I just I want to be a good dance partner. I want to be an effective dance partner. I want to be a supportive. Oh, I see. It's a reference to the dance partner thing. Well, I don't know. I mean, so, some, sometimes you piss me off a little bit, but I probably good. piss you off good. a little bit. And, <laughs> and if you're not pissing well, me off a little bit, then what's the point of us okay, doing this? They're, they're, they're the best shows, in my opinion, when I find a... An opportunity to, yeah, piss you off a little bit. Yeah, you do this. You know when you pissed me off recently? Do you know? Do you know what? Do you know when it was? And, and when I say pissed off, like we're, you, you and I would, you know, if we were meeting together on Mondays in the same room, we'd be like embracing each other and slapping each other on the back. So I'm saying this. Was it, was it about Smith? It was about Smith. And do you remember what the specific comment was? I, I think I, I, I maybe jumped to the conclusion that Smith wasn't. Telling you the whole truth, and you were passing on the oh no, the I, don't, I don't care about that. That's probably true. Okay. That's probably true. But <laughs> okay, <laughs> but you but you implied that I wouldn't yes. say things that I felt. Right. You implied yeah. that I would that I would hold my fire uh, yes. because I'd be concerned that I wouldn't have an opportunity to interview yes. Alberta's premier yeah. again, which I think you know is not the truth. No, probably not. I I, I am a very um, mindful of the fact that many people hold their fire when it comes to certain personalities in the news because they want to have access to them. And I shouldn't be throwing you into that woodpile. Yeah, because you know, I mean, I, I got fired from a pretty prominent radio job for saying exactly what I thought about the Alberta yes. Premier at that yes. time. And so Some people yes. may say, well, maybe he learned his lesson and he wouldn't do it again. No, no, no. No, the whole no, point no. of having an independent entity like this show with sponsors right. that go to the wall for us and an audience that tunes in when they do as frequently as they do is because they know we will say what we think when it's time to say it. And so that was the only time recently where I went, ah, Chuck, you know that's not yeah, true. Yeah, because 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 that's an ethical trespass on my part. Wow. And so that that's a little, that's you, a little harsh. I owe you the most profound of apologies, <laughs> and 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 that's because you're one of the people, and you're frankly one of the few people that I have maximum respect for, precisely because you don't trade access, you don't trade sort of what what I would call sycophancy, sucking up to people in order to have access to them. You're, you you never did that. You never did that in your uh, radio career. And you don't do that now. And and if you did, I'd be embarrassed to share a stage with you. And yeah. I wouldn't I probably wouldn't be your dance partner. So yeah. my fault, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, I mean I I wouldn't have gone so far as to say ethical trespass. That's a little hardcore. I mean, let's save that for when it actually fits. But I'm just saying everyone's like Joseph Vipond would say, because Joseph Vipond is is someone who's really, really interesting to listen to. And I was listening and watching uh, what, what he was doing with you at the round table on energy on on, on the cop thing uh, yeah. in Dubai last Friday. And I just said to myself, you know, I, I wonder if his message ends up getting lost because I wonder if people perceive him to be 
on the side of alarmism. And when people think that there's too much hyperbole there or alarmism, I think at one point he talked about the, the breakdown of civilization. I wonder if I wonder if you end up losing people when you when you when you do that. You, you get the people who are hardcore for sure, but I wonder if you lose the the people in the gray zone. Let me uh, let me tee this up for people. I'm showing it on my screen right now. So on Friday, our most recent Real Talk Roundtable, we featured. Uh, three Albertans that were at COP. They were either still there or they had been at the UN Climate Change Convention. So Sharon Morin joined us in studio, a Métis uh, knowledge keeper. That was the role that, that she had accepted there, an honor uh, certainly for her. And then Dr. Joe Vipond, a, a Calgary-based physician. He's an emergency physician who's also one of the co-founders of the Calgary Climate Hub. Uh, he was there. It, it was COP's first ever health day and he was there talking about the health impacts of climate change and then we had sean collins who joined us as well he's the ceo of a company called varma energy which by the way they're doing fascinating stuff uh, turning waste into energy so he was there as an entrepreneur so we kind of liked in the round table um i mean of course some people would say well where was this person where was that person you can only have three uh, but we had three people from very different perspectives. We did get some feedback. I mean, some people uh, absolutely loved what, what Dr. Vipon brought to the table. And, and, and we did get some messages from people saying, ah, you know, we, we find it kind of hard to take him seriously because, I mean, he basically, uh, he, he, his, he, you know what he, who he reminded me of on the show? And I like Dr. Joe. He's great. You know, I would consider us to be friends. I don't say we see eye to eye on everything, but he, he echoed the messaging from Zipporah Berman a few years ago, like I mean about 10 years ago, because she had already said it uh, when Rachel Notley had named her. Do you remember that to the Oil Sands Advisory Group, yeah. Chuck? And that would have been like mm, 2016, probably, that, that then Premier Notley founded that group. There was a bunch of oil company CEOs on it, uh, or at least oil company executives. Uh, but Zipporah Berman was there as well as a, as a climate activist and a, and a well-recognized one. She's been on this show before. And Zipporah's sort of famous take uh, or infamous take, if you want to call it, was that you've got to leave the rest of the oil in the ground. She yeah. said you got to leave the rest of it in the ground. And on Friday, Dr. Vipond essentially said the same thing. I said, well, you can't expect any premier to get on board with your message. And he said, well, you basically can't expect us to be around uh, for civilization to function right. if we don't <clears throat> stop burning it right away. And when, I, when I saw him say that, I, I said to myself, well, for, for the... Average Albertan and yours truly, who left his heart in Alberta a number of years ago, at that point, the conversation's over. Because if you ask me, you know, the simple question, do you want to leave it all on the ground? I say, are you kidding me? No, no, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I. what are you going to say to that? Like, I, you know... I on one hand, it's just not an option. It's it's not feasible. You're not going to be taken seriously if you if if you put that message out there because people will say, well, you're you're going to immediately unemploy like thousands and thousands of people. You're going to demolish the economy of Alberta and Canada. You're going to. I mean, it just it doesn't make any sense. Well, you also but you're also going to be a chump because if if you leave it in the ground, others don't leave it in the ground. Yeah, they're selling to your former customers. So that's all you're doing. You you've got clients here. You're just tossing your clients over to somebody else. I mean, yeah. what, what have you actually accomplished? I know you can feel good about yourself. You can feel righteous, I, I suppose. It's a waste of time. Yeah, I mean, and, and sure. And this is like a pragmatic, realistic, honest answer. And then you'll look at, uh, you know, the situation around us as, you know, like as Dr. Vipon references, where you have heat waves killing dozens of people across the country. You have wildfires and floods and everything else. And, and I know, like, most people will kind of, either roll their eyes at the one argument 
the economic argument or they'll roll the eyes at the other. You know, I mean, some people aren't even convinced that climate change is making anything worse. Uh, I think this show has been very clear. I've been very clear on how I feel about that. It's obvious that man-made climate change is impacting natural disaster, is impacting weather patterns, is impacting trends. I mean, if you're going to deny that, you lose my I'm, I'm the last person focus. in the world to deny it, Ryan, but I'm also the last person in the world who would think, based on some science that I know, I'm not, not Joe Vipon, but I know some science, and I don't even think Joe Vipon believes that if you leave all, all of it in the ground in Alberta, Alberta and other provinces in Canada will never again see a wildfire. Yes, correct. But this is also sort of a defeatist attitude. Right. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm going to land in the middle on this and that's not a coward's position. That's a that's a that's a normal position, I think, to take on this is that yeah. we don't immediately stop drilling. We don't immediately shut down our energy right. sector. That's that's ludicrous. It's not feasible. It's not intelligent. It's like like there's a million reasons why. No, but also. Uh, we do have to do some things. We do have to do something. Like I talked to uh, the federal environment minister, Gilbo, about this. I mean, you could tell, like, when you bring up the Supreme Court's uh, decision on this plastic ban, the toxic plastic ban, and you bring it up uh, to Minister Gilbo, people can see our interview with him last week if they missed it in our archives. Um, you, you can see him, like, twitch, like it bothers him a great deal uh the way that that canada's top court ruled on that and they've promised to appeal it and and for some people it's a win like it's a win for the western premiers uh, to see the feds take it on the chin twice in basically a month from the supreme court right or a couple months anyway but 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 that's a big win but also collectively it's not a win to see plastic islands floating in the ocean. Do you know what I mean? So I, I think most normal people land somewhere in the middle on this stuff. Yeah, I don't. I don't think most people in the in, most people in the world. I, I don't think care so much about the politics because they know that politics are made up of activists and advocates, and they 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 want to put their best foot forward and all the rest of it. Most people believe that the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Uh, would would it hurt? I mean, I, I like plastic straws, but. If you if you say to me, do you really want all that stuff floating in the ocean, or do you want to do something about it? I'll, I'll surrender the plastic straw. It's not not going to be into my life to uh, to drink from paper straws, obviously. So I think that's the middle of the road uh, position. And and if people want to take the political position, no, we must stand firm. Nobody's taking away our plastic straws. Frankly, that sounds like a loon to me. Yeah. Uh, Johnny's doing an amazing job. Johnny on the spot of, of showing us some video. This is this yeah. isn't cooked up. This isn't from a Hollywood studio. This is video captured in in the world's oceans of just what the plastic problem actually looks like. And and again, like I think most people know this too, Charles. It's not just like plastic bags and water bottles. It's the impact of the microplastics that break down and they end up in the streams and they wind up in fish and they wind up in our lungs and they wind up in our bloodstream. And like, it is a, it's a fucking mess. No, we're, to what we're, it is. we're totally irresponsible with what we throw in the air yeah. and with what we, we throw in the water. We, we disrespect the planet every day. I'm not trying to say that it's the end of civilization because I think when you do say that, it's the end of the conversation. That's that's my only criticism of of Dr. Vipond. He's got so much to offer, but when he uses words like that, I think a lot of people uh, check out. But yeah, I, I, I don't think there's a dime's worth of difference between your position and mine on on this one. Yeah, and and, and like I'm not going to. I mean, what's like you know? I'll participate. I've, I've I've learned over the years that like you can only expend so much emotional energy, and you got to pick your spots. And I'm not yeah. going to get into fights with people over things like you know 
you know, are we going to shut down the oil sands? Are we going to shut down Canada's energy industry right this minute? Or do we not care at all about the world's oceans or the boreal forest? Like, you know what I mean? I'm not going to, I'm yeah, not going to spend time talking about that. My, but my I, but problem I got, with all of this is, yeah, my problem with all this is I don't want to shut down the oil sands and I don't want to leave it on the ground. I don't want to do all that. My, my fundamental problem is there is so much capacity for knowledge about science and technology and geology in Alberta that I have to believe that Alberta can continue to be the energy capital of the world for as long as it wants to be, as long as it accesses the knowledge and gets that knowledge directed for the future. I think when, when, when some people who are in the political system seem to deny the future, seem to think of the word alternative as, as, as a bad word, alternative is not an F-bomb. Alternative means the future. There's nothing wrong with embracing the future. And there's certainly, in my opinion, nothing wrong with getting the knowledge which we have in Alberta pointed in the direction of the future. That's good for us as Canadians. And it's also good for business. Yeah. A hundred percent. And those things need to be considered. Nobody's helping anybody if there's no economic activity and if everybody's unemployed. Like, that's a pretty obvious thing to say. Um, that's Johnny one, reason you, one reason you can't leave it in the ground. One reason you can't destroy the fossil fuel industry, because that's what fuels the next industry. Yeah. It's the present that fuels the future. Killing off the present, as I say, makes some people feel good. But it doesn't do any good. Well, yeah, it's just not well thought out. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. I think that we can agree on that. Uh, Johnny, in just a second, we'll get to the U.N. Secretary General, Antonio Guterres. get to that because he spoke at Copchuck just like a few hours ago. I want to play that. Um, uh, in the live chat, Tracy says the fact, referencing Zipporah Berman on that oil sands advisory group. I mean, this was like 10 years ago, but still, Tracy says uh, the fact that anybody who hates Notley refuses to accept that oil companies asked for Zipporah, that a good business uh, brings enemies to the table. I, I put it this way. It just... It gives credibility to the findings of the panel. Like you, you can't you can't have like an advisory group that's only made up of industry. It doesn't doesn't make sense. That's just a very obvious thing to say. You need to have the the, the dissidents. You need to have those dissenting voices at the table, uh, credible ones. Uh, if you want the findings and the recommendations uh, to 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 carry any weight, and uh, that's probably something pretty obvious. Yeah, but Brian, people have to understand that the oil companies are energy companies. Oil is a product that they're selling. Okay, no different than any of your clients. They're selling a particular, a particular. You know, Friesen Brothers sells a particular set of products. If appetites change, they'll sell another set of products. Friesen Brothers will still be around. So the the shells and and the Exxons and all of the others, a hundred years from now, may not be selling very much fossil fuel, but they'll be selling something because they're energy companies and they'll figure out how to continue to make billions of dollars on what, whichever energy it is that people want. And of course, whichever ones pass muster as far as climate change is concerned. That's just that's just common sense. Yeah. Uh, when you're talking about Friesen Brothers and the products they sell, are you, are, for example, are you talking about these fabulous Satsuma oranges that I'm holding in my hand, Charles? Is that, oh is, would that be an I, example of, buddy? I, I wish, wish I, you know, there are times when I have oh studio envy. Oh there are times I'd love to be in your studio because I want to bite into that orange right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, on the chat here, uh, Mark Doran, uh, who's speaking of credibility, got a ton of it. He's the founder of the Polluter Pay Federation, says the answer is to start with reducing methane emissions. They're harmful to our health. They create explosives 
explosion risk for those living and working in proximity to well and facility sites. That's an example. Um, seventh pilot says maybe the coal being used in China should be addressed. No politician talks about that. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be a non-tacky or non-awkward way to bring this up at any point in the show. I just want to recognize seventh pilot um, who has who has sent us a note. Uh, said, please don't use my real name, and also said no thank you to a care package. Uh, I offered to send 7th Pilot a Real Talk merch care pilot when, get this, Charles, you want to talk about people that put their money where their mouth is? You want to talk about people that support independent media? 7th Pilot e-transferred us $500 on Friday. A $500 e-transfer from 7th Pilot. So a very happy holidays and Merry Christmas to 7th Pilot, whose real well, how, name how could shall never be shared. Merch like this? I, mean, I know. I know. And I don't even know if it's a he. But 7th Pilot well, well, your si- next, simply your next, said. Your next, next time you guys order mugs, by the way. Yeah. Uh, they've got to be a little darker. I mean, they're, they're quite beautiful. The yeah. problem is, no matter what you're drinking out of them. Yeah. Uh, the white shows the stain. Well, you got to wash it, them, Charles. No, no, I wash them all the time. But I, but I'm just saying, when you, when you, when I'm drinking, and then put the cup up there, I see the stain. Yes. And there's nothing more hideous on on a screen than a stain. Hey, what it's kind just, of uh, what kind of entrepreneur would I be if I didn't remind people that with two weeks left? Till Christmas, if you go to RyanJesperson.com and you click on the merch link, check this out here on the merch link, you can see all of the Real Talk merch that we currently have available for sale, including T-shirts, snapback caps. We've got the uh, fitted T-shirts as well and the Crescent mugs, Charles. Uh, for the Real Talker in your life, you can order your merch today. Katie will get it shipped, and we'll make sure we do everything we can to have that to you by Christmas. Love um, the mug, love the cap, but I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry that I mutilated the cap. I'm not supposed to have this. We have had questions about the bend of your brim. A lot, uh, lot, of, lot of people have not attacked me, but uh, but been very critical, and then they do this hey, boomer thing. Hey, boomer, <laughs> we don't do that anymore. Hey, boomer, so- <laughs> I, I got a trick for you. Here's what I used to do in high school. I still do it. Get a perfect bend. You take a two-liter pop bottle, Yeah, and you put put the cap rim around it and you tape it on there and you leave it for like three, four days. Oh, that's you a good take idea. it off and it's perfectly it's just like a perfect, round. Yeah. Perfect round. Like my, like my fear bear me, my fear bear me cap. Yeah. There you, yeah, that's a nice, that's someone a nice did, bend there. Someone did that for me. Okay. Let me get us focused again. I wish I could do something myself. Let me get us focused again. Um, uh, and, 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 and we, we, we see through, we were reading between the lines, Chuck, we'll send you another cap. We'll, we'll send it. Maybe we'll send oh, it no, wrapped. Yeah. We'll send it <laughs> express post wrapped around a two liter bottle. So it's yeah. perfectly then. So here is the, uh, here's the secretary general of the United Nations. Uh, Antonio Guterres spoke at cop uh, cop 28 at the climate change conference just a short time ago. And basically here's the message. Uh, keep in mind, this is the UN climate change convention. So, so here's the big cheese. We are in a race against time. As I said at the opening of COP28, our planet is minutes to midnight for the 1.5 degree limit. And the clock keeps ticking. COP28 is scheduled to wrap up tomorrow, but there are still large gaps that need to be bridged. Now is the time for maximum ambition and maximum flexibility. Ministers and negotiators must move beyond arbitrary red lines, entrenched positions, and blocking tactics. It's time to go into overdrive to negotiate in good faith 
and rise to the challenge set by COP President Dr. Sultan Ahmed Al-Jaber. So there you go. I mean, we are minutes to midnight on the on the one and a half degrees of climate change. And, and I've seen others, you know, like climate scientists. It was they were quoted in The New York Times just a couple of weeks ago saying, forget about it. It's already gone. It's already done. We're past midnight. Now we're looking at three degrees and the implications of three degrees. But but really, and you and I raised the ire of a few a few weeks ago. People can check out the episode. We called the highlight. Does anybody care? Uh, because it appears. And while people do care. They don't really care. I mean, Guterres is there. We're minutes to midnight, and people are using all. Well, of here's the- for Brian. Let me, you know, the, the UN Secretary General. He said he just he just said uh, a couple hours ago, which is what we're looking at here. He said a couple hours ago that he said it was a minute to midnight last year. So here he is a year later, and it's still a minute to midnight. But what can't he figure out about the rhetoric being wrong? If it was a minute before midnight a year ago, and civilization is still alive and kicking a year later. Maybe the word a, a minute before midnight used one year later is, is, is just not the right language. Yeah. Well, what are people going to say to get anybody else's attention? I mean, what, what are you going to say now? Uh, what are you going to say now to make people care? Right. They've tried everything. Just to say, it's, it's fine to say that we're in a crisis and it's only getting worse. I'm just saying when you use language like last year, I said it was a minute before midnight. And here I am a year later. It's still a minute before midnight. That. That, that, that's I don't I don't think that's strong imagery. Okay. Seconds to midnight. Seconds. <laughs> midnight is a point. Yeah, there's that, no way. That'd be you gotta, a little better. Uh, Mark, by the way, follows up. Mark Doran says, for what it's worth, uh, the intrepid Real Talk host calls me credible, but the Alberta Energy Regulator, AER records show I am managed at that misguided outfit as a dangerous person that has no credibility. So who's right? Well, the obvious answer, Mark, is that nobody trusts the Alberta Energy Regulator. So you know who's <laughs> right. It's me. And I'd also like to note on this that Justin in our live chat, Justin in our chat, Johnny, you can give me the the uh, the promotional music bed if you like, as I seamlessly transition into this. Justin says I can speak from personal experience that those Satsumas that Jespo's holding are amazing in all caps. Amazing, he says. We went to get a bag this weekend and they're almost gone already. Justin says we're going back to Friesen Brothers after work today to load up again. These aren't your average Christmas orange folks. These Satsumas are from California, not Asia, which means that their travel time is greatly decreased. They are packed with flavor. They're super easy to peel and they're like the size of regular oranges. They're not these like teeny tiny lame Christmas oranges. These are the perfect ones for stocking stuffers. If you love to gift produce at Christmas parties like I do, you will love the Satsuma oranges available only through the month of December or like Justin said, until they sell out at Friesen Brothers, 16 locations across the province of Alberta. A lot of talk about climate, a lot of talk about the environment, obviously with COP28, you know, wrapping up-ish. Well, we want to take a look at companies that are walking the walk. Uh, Companies that are, for example, BMO climate certified, like our friends at Complete Care Restoration. And we broke this news yesterday. I've been talking to the team at Complete Care Restoration saying, you guys, we need to pump your tires more. Because you know what? This is a company that just puts their head down and goes to work. And that's why we're here to tell you about the stuff that they're doing. Because they're not taking out billboards announcing that they're the only disaster restoration company in Alberta that's recycling what they're cleaning up off 
you know, burns and floods and all those other nightmares that people encounter. But while the industry average on recycling those materials uh, post demolition is basically zero, Complete Care Restoration maintains a 71% average when it comes to materials that are recycled, that are kept out of landfills when they're cleaning up these sites. And that is absolutely remarkable. It deserves more praise. It's just one more reason why you should choose Complete Care Restoration. And sometimes it might just be a new construction or renovation project. They've got talented teams certified in everything you need, and we proudly recommend them with two thumbs up. We also wanted to remind you that Athabasca University is ready for you whenever you're ready to start thinking about your post-secondary journey again. I know that when we think of schooling, we get into those mindsets like September's when it starts and December's when you take time off, January's when you go back, and June is when you finish. Not at Canada's Open University. They've got world-class accredited online degrees and courses designed so that you can complete your education wherever and whenever it works for you. You want to register for a course and complete it over the holidays? Do it. You want to take the entire holidays away from your studies? Do it at AthabascaU.ca. Do it. Just do it. Just do it. At AthabascaU.ca. They're like, I think they're going to get sued by at least one footwear manufacturer if they go with those billboards. Uh, Charles Adler joining us as he does the first episode of every week. I've been looking forward to talking to you about this. Um, it's, you know, I think most people know that that personally, I really like Dr. Jody Gondek. I consider her to be a friend. It was on Real Talk uh, when she was a Calgary uh, counselor. I think at that time they were still calling them aldermen, but she was a Calgary counselor at the time. We said, listen, if you ran for mayor, we guarantee you'd win she decided to run guess what she won and she gave us her first interview when she was calgary's mayor that's when she declared a climate emergency in calgary it's our second most downloaded episode in real talk history for good reason she's never had trouble getting people's attention but it's attention of the wrong sort these days as she basically pulled her involvement at a menorah lighting ceremony at the menorah lighting ceremony, uh, kicking off the observation, the celebration of Hanukkah in Calgary. Uh, she said it's too pro-Israel and in good conscience she couldn't attend. Uh, Don Braid in a scathing column in the Calgary Herald announces that she's not fit to be mayor. How did this story land with you? I have uh, rarely criticized uh, Don Braid, but I, I think it's an overreaction. I, I don't disagree with the points that Braid is making. But to then declare that Jody Gondek is not fit to be mayor, I think is uh, I think that's a, a bridge a bridge too far. It's not like Jody Gondek did what the university presidents of uh, three Ivy League schools did at, uh, on Capitol Hill when they were asked a simple question that, you know, does advocating uh, for the genocide of Jews uh, contravene uh, ethical standards at your university and free speech standards. I mean, they were they just they just talked themselves into, into a corner. One of them has now resigned. Others may resign. Uh, that was uh, that that showed them to be unfit. I, 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 I'm, I'm very hesitant to say that Jody Gondek. I'm, I'm not, I don't agree with her position on, on Hanukkah in Israel. Um, but I also don't agree that she's she's unfit to be mayor. Yeah, I mean, if, I, if you're going to proclaim that somebody's unfit to be mayor, I yeah. mean, that is like a major thing to say, especially from a pulpit like Braid has. Uh, he writes, in peace and war, the mayor of Calgary has always attended. He's talking about past mayors. Uh, menorah yeah. lighting at City Hall, typically a joyous event fueled by optimism, fun for kids. Uh, he says, Gondek's snub has inflicted shock and anguish 
on Calgary's Jewish community. It came out of nowhere after she had agreed to attend. A lot of work had gone into the event. He says the excuse predictably features her tendency to lay the blame on others. Uh, he goes on to uh, cite uh, Lisa Libin, the president of the Calgary Jewish Federation, who says Gondek's accusation that she was misled by event organizers is actually an anti-Semitic claim. Quote, it goes back to the old anti-Semitic trope that Jews are conniving. There was absolutely no trickery involved. I mean, this is like, there's gasoline on this fire. Here's here's my central problem with this. And just uh, for those people who don't know, my heritage is Jewish. I don't don't hide from that. I don't duck from that. However, because I am a child of, of survivors and I'm in touch with the Holocaust day and night. You can take that literally. Day and night. I am really loath to call everybody who's on the wrong side of some issue I have politically an anti-Semite. You keep saying that, and you keep throwing that term out, it ceases to have any meaning. Anti-Semitism is Jew hatred. That is G-damn serious. Don't be using it casually, don't be using it frivolously, and don't be using it frequently. Because if you do, a very, very important piece of history, in my opinion, is diminished. This was, uh, I mean, so I guess we can leave the Gondek thing. You said your thing. I mean, I guess I've said my thing, or at least I've made it relatively clear. I would say this, just from a like a politics standpoint, like if I'm her chief of staff, if I'm running her comms, um, it's very easy for any politician, let alone a mayor, a premier, a prime minister, uh, to pull out of an event citing a scheduling conflict. Like, that's really easy. Um, and people might say, well, you're lying. Not really. Uh, well, you are, but you're politicking and politicking and lying. There are shades of gray. Uh, you create a scheduling conflict. You cite a scheduling conflict, and that's it. Um, I mean, she released a statement basically saying that she was disappointed, the politics of it, she was misled, she can't support it. And that's where I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I, I, I can't understand and i don't think that the mayor writes her own releases uh whoever wrote that release i don't understand like there's a lot of ways for me to say i don't want to get in a ring with a rhinoceros without saying you know i don't feel like getting gordon getting my ass kicked i cite a scheduling conflict ryan if i ever say on, on this show or any show that i blame the average palestinian and 90 percent of them are are ducking bombs right now so they get 1,000% of my heart, okay? Regardless of what my heritage is, 1,000% of my heart goes to the Palestinians in Gaza right now. But if I ever say that I blame the average Palestinian in Gaza for the, for the, the set of rapes and, and, and tortures and murders that went on on October 7th, you can just cut me off your, your guest list forever, okay? Because that would be beyond irrational. So no, I don't blame the average Palestinian for what happened on October 7th. By the same token, I can't blame the existence of Israel for what's happening right now in Gaza. Every country has the right to defend itself and every country has the right to exist. And so to declare that a celebration of Hanukkah, which all of, is all about what happened with Jews and, 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 and the Greek colonizer, as it were, the, the Jews were throwing the colonizer off their back about 2,000 years ago. I realize that's a very rough way to describe it. 
But the point is that that is, that is proof positive that Jews didn't land in, 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 in that part of the world 70 years ago. They were there thousands of years ago. And it is the right, I think, of, of every Jew uh, to say that they honor the existence of the Jewish state. So to declare that a celebration of Hanukkah, which is obviously part of a celebration of, of Judaic history, and yes, to most of today's Jews celebrate the idea that the Jews are back in a sense. They had a state thousands of years ago. They have a state again. They want to defend that state. But to, but to then say that it's that the average Jew is involved in wanting Palestinian children to be affected is, is just as crazy to me, just as irrational as saying that the average Palestinian wanted October 7th to happen. Yeah. No Jew wants what's going on right now to happen. No Jew wanted October 7th to happen. And I believe that very few Palestinians in Gaza, outside of the ones who participated, there were a few thousand who participated directly, but outside of them, I don't see the rest as wanting it. For one thing, and of course, if there was free speech in Gaza, you would you would get this right from the Palestinian people themselves. They totally, are, nobody is more educated than they are yeah. in knowing that when Hamas launches that kind of attack, children in Gaza are going to pay the heaviest price. So if there were free speech, you would hear many of them say that what happened on October 7th was incredibly irresponsible. It brought on the Israelis. What did they expect? The average Palestinian fully expected that to happen. The average Palestinian is not happy about what happened on October 7th, despite the fact that you can get some radicals, obviously, in the street. The Western cameras can pick that up, celebrating. But I do not believe that the average family in Palestine is happy about what happened on October 7th. I just, I'll never believe that. Idris uh, in our live chat uh, says, I saw the poster for the Calgary menorah lighting and it said something different from previous years. It was uh, like for, for some lobby effort, basically, it seemed like she might have been dodging a clear political fundraiser. Here's the poster, um, 35th annual Calgary community menorah lighting Thursday, December 7th. That was just a few days ago, obviously, at the City Hall atrium. I mean, just right outside Gondek's office. Um uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. Adler's at Am Yisrael Shai. Hi, maybe. Uh, I, I just quickly Googled it. Uh, apparently. Am Yisrael, I'll, I'll say it for you. Yeah. Am Yisrael Chai. Okay, and it means the people of Israel live, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, and it's, then, not, it's not what I would call a statement of warmongering. Okay, and then and my former colleague, your former colleague as well, Sue Dial of, of, of CHQR, was, was the master of yeah. ceremonies. And then you see there, unity, supporting Israel, and Jewish pride. Well, I mean, so you can go, okay, well, supporting Israel uh, – you know, maybe maybe she found that the mayor found that to be to be optically inconvenient. I mean, what do you expect? What do you kind of expected to say? I haven't seen other politicians pay the price. We, we read uh, I think it was from Brock. It was a real talker named Brock last week. We wrote and uh, read an email from him. I mean, he was basically calling MLA Janice Irwin to the carpet for some of her posts about Palestine. There, there doesn't seem to be there's not like a political price to pay or not all politicians are wary of of posts sort of celebrating the pro-Palestinian rallies. But you won't see as many politicians, I think, at like a, a quote unquote pro-Israel rally. I think people are just a little bit more hesitant uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong on that, but it feels like well, if, pro, if pro I'm a politician, Israel, pro Israel means pro the existence of the state of Israel. That's what you say. It. That's what you say. It means. That's what it means to you, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, maybe what does the it mean ma- to you? Well, well, I'm just saying. Maybe the mayor doesn't see it that way. Maybe the mayor, or maybe someone on the mayor's staff, has convinced her that supporting Israel means supporting what's happening in Gaza right now. It means supporting, okay. right? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So this is why politically. 
it just, to me, seemed like something they shouldn't have bitten off. And if she wasn't going to attend it, then I know this makes me sound cynical, but it's how politics work. Cite a scheduling conflict and move on. That's where you got to go with it. Yeah, it was a it was a comms cluster muck. It was. It was. It was a comms fail. Uh, President uh, of of Penn University, uh, Elizabeth McGill, has resigned, uh, which is, I mean, a significant position to resign from. Uh, I'm sure she's easily making over a million dollars. It's obviously a very prominent university. It's had its problems, but it's a prominent university in the United States after congressional testimony where she got tied up in a knot a million ways. I'm going to ask you if she had to resign. But first, here's the clip. This is uh, in front of U.S. uh, congresspersons facing uh, questions, obviously, that she was ill-prepared to answer. Here's former Penn President Elizabeth McGill. Ms. McGill, at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. So is your if testimony it, that it, you will not answer yes? If it. Uh, is if the yes speech or becomes no. if the speech becomes conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide. The speech is not harassment. This is unacceptable, Ms. McGill. I'm going to give you one more opportunity for the world to see your answer. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be harassment. The answer is yes. So she's gone. That's one of the poorest performances that I've ever seen in front of Congress, and that's saying something. Um, is this your first time seeing it, or did you happen to watch it? Well, I just I, I just know that she's a highly intelligent person, and I know that uh, all of them over there, I watched all of it, uh, they were all lawyered up. They had their lawyer, uh, legal slash public relations uh, firms uh, monitoring things and giving them uh, talking points, and some of them were better than others at reciting the talking points, but None of them uh, sounded as smart as they really are in real life. Uh, the context thing is, is such a canard. If I advocate uh, for people to harm you and members of your family, uh, that is uh, harassment and that is bullying and that is incitement. It doesn't, only, it doesn't become incitement if and when someone actually follows my ridiculous rhetoric, okay? It's bad enough to just to 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 uh, to engage in that kind of rhetoric, and everybody watching this knows that if it wasn't Jews, if it was uh, Muslims, if it was uh, blacks, if it was members of the LGBT community, there wouldn't be a hearing at Congress because Harvard would have trashed any of those people doing those things. They wouldn't have waited for violence to actually happen uh, to to people who were members of the LGBT community or or blacks or Muslims. So uh, Jews are are seen by some progressives as oppressors, specifically oppressors in the Middle East. They're the, they're the white colonist and uh, the, 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 the folks um, that they're engaged with are all victims of, 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 of white colonization. So the Jews have been lumped into that category. That kind of 
progressive politics infects a real conversation. And so when it comes to that conversation uh, at that particular congressional hearing, people can see that aspect of progressivism for what it is. Very flawed. So there's there's a uh, basically this, the Harvard's board of directors. It should be noted met yesterday uh, amid calls for Harvard's president Kleinine Gay to resign as well uh, for what's what's deemed to be an insufficient response to expressions of anti-Semitism uh, on campus. I'll note too that at least Stefanik, the, the congresswoman that's asking these questions, number one, uh, <laughs> I don't know if this is relevant or not. She's one of the biggest Trump supporters out there. So so yeah. part of me hesitates to to portray her as some sort of a hero by, here by, you by know the way she also is a highly intelligent normal republican yeah that for political for political reasons has uh, become a trump sycophant she understands that's where not, things are going that's, that's, she understands where exactly. things are going yeah, yeah and i mean you and i have had those kinds of conversations before where where politics sometimes makes a person look like they've got 20 or 30 fewer iq points yeah she, she wants party. to be in the oval office uh in, in a senior position with the next president of the united states and i'm, I'm yeah. throwing up a little in my mouth as i say it uh right but, but, but as far as this uh, but as far as the questioning is concerned at this particular hearing uh, I, I can't I, you know I, I can i can i can talk for hours about how i can't stand stefanik but i yeah. can't really argue with what what she was doing she was doing her job up there. well and, and absolutely 100 and doing her job very well and uh where i think that the average person needs to go with this is is having a an honest and maybe uncomfortable conversation about what's happening on university campuses right now and i know that the conservatives or in the united states republicans have, have have wanted to own this conversation around things like censorship or people talking about cancel culture or woke professors and there's a lot of supercharged language that's being used but what i can't ignore is that it seems to me that the culture on university campuses campuses is that they are safe places for some and they are not safe places for others and that seems to be a pretty obvious and safe statement to make campuses should always be safe uh physically so you shouldn't have incitement on the other hand there's always unfortunately i mean there's always another hand and on the other hand they shouldn't be safe uh intellectually so uh if you're not challenged uh, by people who are perhaps offending the way you think if you're not challenged by the way you think at a university in my opinion the university is not doing its job but by challenged i'm not talking about inciting genocide or or advocating for genocide that's ridiculous one of the people who has done a tremendous commentary uh that people on the left the middle the right uh, agree is uh, a very very important piece of commentary and i'll say this even though some other people might not i don't think he could have pulled it off if he were a white male but he's not a white male. He happens to be a brown male. His name is Fareed Zakaria. He's uh, one of the best in the business. And he has done a tremendous commentary on what has happened to university life and how universities have got to go back to basics, meaning teaching, meaning challenging without inciting, meaning doing real research. In any case, uh, Fareed Zakaria, you can... You can find it anywhere on, on social media. I saw that you had retweeted it, so people can just yeah. check out your Twitter account, at yeah. Charles Adler. Uh, there's also another story that you want to talk about uh, that we'll get to, the government of India, India interfering in the conservatives' leadership race. I want to get to our live chat quick. 
sure. David says David says they need to get rid of Harvard's president, uh, Ms. Gay, uh, as well. He says this past year, uh, Harvard scored a negative on freedom of speech on campus. That's the issue. Harvard's not consistent. David says if, it, if Harvard had been supporting freedom of speech for everybody, then I'd say they could make a case for what's going on now, but they're not. Uh, Aurora, with an interesting point as well, says the problem with the whole support Israel line on that poster is that it's tied to what's happening in Gaza. Just like if it said support Russia uh, by many, it would be perceived to be tied to Ukraine. It doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. It's perception and perception is what matters to a politician. And Aurora throws a a bullseye on that one. Uh, Let's get to this story uh, involving uh, Indian, uh, like basically foreign interference in the conservatives leadership campaign. There's also been developments in our understanding charges laid in the United States and murder plots tied to the murder of uh, Mr. Singh Jar in in, uh, Surrey, B.C., uh, in Canada, obviously killed. uh, It it was asserted by the prime minister as a directive of Indian agents, agents of the Indian government. Uh, The prime minister uh, was widely criticized for, for making that claim without sort of presenting uh, a folder's worth of, of, of justification or of evidence. Uh, but now it's 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 appearing uh, to be true, I guess, is the quickest way to say it. Uh, but we're coming to a more clear understanding of uh, basically the foreign interference that's happening right here on Canadian soil involving the government of India. Why don't you talk to us about this one? Well, we're getting more and more evidence uh, from the Americans and others about how the Indian government uh, wants to take certain people out. And the, the people they want to take out are, are Sikhs because the, the, the people in New Delhi who run the show there, Modi, uh, have had a problem with the Sikhs, and that's been going on for a long time. And I don't want to get into a, a long uh, battle about what that battle is about. But the, the larger point is the government of India, which is not like the government of the United States or the government of Canada, the government of India does have people that are located in countries like Canada and others who have an eye on certain Sikhs and want to take certain members of the Sikh community out. It actually did happen in Canada. And if it weren't for the prime minister, who's a who's a polarizing figure in Canada, it wouldn't have turned into a large political issue. Now that the Americans are supporting it with data because they've got the same problem with the government of India, it's being taken more seriously. Before we run out of time, I want to put this in front of you. This is from a real talker by the name of Kyle, uh, and it has to do with inflation. It has to do with the carbon tax. And for the first time in your career, Charles, he's calling you a liberal shill. I know that you've never heard this. I know that you've never been called this before. This is from Kyle to talk at RyanJesperson.com. He says, I have problems with Charles Adler. It seems, uh, let me get through it before you respond. He says, it seems like he knows absolutely nothing about what he talks about most of the time. He is exactly like the American that he self-describes as. Uh, he's the Canadian Rush Limbaugh wrapped in the flag. Uh, he says, the Bank of Canada has said, the Bank of Canada has confirmed that inflation is impacted by the carbon tax. Uh, He says it'll increase by a tenth of a percent every year, and that doesn't take into account indirect inflation caused by the carbon tax. Uh, For those of you who say that this tax is a net positive for the average Albertan, this tax is costing you $700 directly. Now, Kyle's throwing a bunch of numbers out there. Take them for what they're worth. He says we can't ignore two of the largest causes of inflation, deficit spending, increased money supply, and he says, boy, oh, boy, this liberal government sure knows how to do both. 
Justin Trudeau added more to the debt than all other prime ministers in Canadian history. I mean, COVID. He says, even if we remove 2020, as for money supply, uh, in August of 2019, Canada went from $1.7 trillion to $2.5 trillion, an increase of almost 18% per year. Add-on policy that increases the cost of housing and the Canadian dollar going from on par with the U.S. dollar to today, far from it. He says, I sure hope Adler can take a step off his perch and work hard to regain his critical thinking. That from Kyle. Kyle, th- thanks very much. Uh, I don't support uh, Kyle's position. I support Trevor's position, as in Trevor Toom, uh, economist based in Alberta. He's not a left-winger. He's not a right-winger. But he's a hell of a good guy at math. And uh, his contention is that the carbon tax doesn't have nearly the impact that uh, our letter writer says it does. And I tend to support Trevor, even though I realize that, too, places me, I guess, in the liberal shill camp, because here it is, I'm supporting an elitist. I'm supporting an elite economist over someone who is writing a very passionate letter, which I believe is coming straight from his head and his heart. I, I think he believes this 100%, even though there are countries where the inflation is far worse than it is here in Canada. And I mean, far worse, two times worse, five times worse, a hundred times worse, uh, where they don't have carbon taxes. So the idea that the, the carbon tax is what created global inflation or Canadian inflation is excessive. People can argue that it's 0.03% or 0.05% or even 1%, but to, to get into the 5% and 10% and 15%, sorry, I can't, uh, I can't climb on that wagon. I'll cite, I mean, this is CBC's reporting on uh, Tiff Macklem speeding in, is speaking in Calgary, governor uh, of the Bank of Canada. This was back in September, so it was a few months ago, but basically uh, said that um, it's inescapably true that the federal carbon tax makes life more expensive, says before the climate action incentive, but that number... Um, he says it's basically like every year it's 0.15%, but has a small relative effect on year-over-year inflation. So with year-over-year inflation, here's the number you need to pay attention to, everybody, hovering around 3%, uh, which is way down, by the way, from from the numbers. Remember, Chuck, it was like 9 10% for a while. People were, for obvious reasons, panicking. Uh, hovering around 3%, the carbon tax causes 120th, of price increases when inflation peaked at just above 8% last year, the carbon tax responsible for one fifty-fourth of it. So one fifty-fourth of it. That per the governor of the Bank of Canada, Tiff Macklem. So those are the numbers I think that are most relevant in this. Yeah, so so it's fair to say, we're just trying to be fair here, you know, put the slogans aside, liberal shield, conservative shield, whatever. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're just focusing on the numbers, it does contribute. The carbon tax does, repeat, I said, does contribute to inflation, but it contributes a very, very small amount. People who want to turn the carbon tax into their, their mantra, uh, they, they, want to, they want to destroy the government or elect a different government over the carbon tax issue. Good luck with all that. They've been doing very well with their comms. You know, you mentioned Calgary's, uh, the mayor of Calgary didn't have a, a good comms uh, day uh, last week. Um, Pierre Polyev is having a good comms day every week by putting forward the idea that the difference between a good life and a difficult life in Canada is the elimination of the carbon tax. Significant numbers of Canadians believe that. I'm not one of them. Uh, Alberta Girl says, from my experience, there are also many companies exploiting the carbon tax and the price of fuel piling on surcharges and inflation onto their prices. Um, 
I've seen that. We 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 went for a, a ride for hire. Uh, service this weekend. All right, I'll I'll be honest. Uh, this this we're, we're not elites. We save up our money and we spend it when we choose, just like any other family. So we did something super fun and special for the little man this weekend, and we got a limousine and we did like the Whoa. Kevin. We did the Kevin from Home Alone scene, and Wyatt got his very own cheese pizza to eat in the back of a limousine, and then we went and checked out a Christmas Carol at the Citadel Theater, and it was a fabulous time, and it was so much fun. But I had to go. To a few different limo companies. I know this is where everyone's going to start playing the world's smallest violin for me. I'm just saying we saved up our money. We saved up our money so we could do this. You know how many of them, Charles, are piling on like serious fuel surcharges onto this? Like $40 fuel surcharges for one hour? I'm sitting there going, hang on a second, though. Like everybody's cost of business is going up. Right. Uh, and, and I know that some, you know, grocery stores, a lot of them have been increasing their prices. That's one of the biggest stories of the year, certainly across the country. But there's a lot of other businesses like I don't see a lot of restaurants who costs have really gone up. It's a, they're also recognizing it's a very dangerous time to start cranking up your prices. A lot of people aren't going to touch those. And to convince me that your fuel for one hour driving a car around is going to be forty dollars more and you're going to pass that on to the consumer. I don't buy it. And so guess which company? we went with we went with the one that's not charging the fuel surcharge because we're not charging our sponsors more we're going to places where they're not charging more and i think sometimes unless you're an unviable business anymore but i find that hard to believe i'm inclined to agree with alberta girl on this one not taken away from my relatives that are telling me that the carbon tax on their grain drying is adding thousands of dollars a month and i know that that's valid they've shown me the receipts but at the same time for the average person i think alberta girl might be onto something i think she is and one of the one of the problems with the uh, all of the, the carbon tax uh, talk and the idea that carbon tax is, is destroying canada etc canada's broken because of the carbon tax one of the problems with that is that many companies are taking advantage they they feel that the customer out there expects prices to be ridiculously high because of the carbon tax. So in, in that sense, I don't think that I don't think the damn thing is helpful. 100% agree. I know that we could talk about a million other things. An hour just flies by with you, Chuck. Uh, this has been a, a fabulous Monday. We'll, we'll obviously talk to you again uh, a week from today. And then before you know it, we'll, we'll take a few well-deserved days off. But uh, we'll look by, forward to By the way, to- is the audio better now than it was at the beginning of our conversation? Yeah, Did yeah, they- you figured it out. Yeah. Johnny, Johnny Infamous uh, got me to reset some things. And even though I'm I'm technically incompetent. I am competent enough to take out the cheap microphone that I was using in the first 10 minutes and to give you the full benefit of the world-class Scarlet. That's S-C-A-R-L-E-T-T. Not a shill for them, not making a dime off them. But I do appreciate what they do. The Scarlet microphone, which is what I'm using right now. <laughs> All right, man. Well, there you go. It's always nice to hear your voice through a shitty mic or a Scarlet one. <laughs> we'll talk to you again. Frankly, in- Scarlet, I don't. Anyway. Yeah. Thank you. All right. That's Charles Adler. Uh, the first episode of every week right here on Real Talk. The audio didn't change. <laughs> Something. Something's up no, today. No, the audio was better. No, I just. I just. Oh, that was you working I used magic. Some tactics, but yeah, some, something's off today. His mic wasn't yeah, connected because that's, okay. that's that's well, we'll a Sure SM7V, which yeah, that's a nice usually mic. comes through great. But He's got hey, a nice mic. We'll figure it out for we'll, next we'll, show. We'll but but we out. made it sound good enough. I will say one thing about the Gondek thing. That poster. Yeah, let me I, find it again. I I don't agree with their bowing out totally, but I don't like that that poster says supporting israel i feel like that's a bit too far there but but what do you but what i do mean you ex- if there's a christmas tree lighting ceremony 
I don't want to see on the poster something about politics or war or religion. It, let's just celebrate the holiday season. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean this is. I mean, uh, they could have avoided a lot, a lot of this if the, if if it just had. Like here's the poster again. If you want to show it, yeah, let's show the year so, before. So though. did the year before the, say supporting Israel? I don't you know, know where I mean? it is. I don't know. Let me see if I, I can try to Google it. So yeah, 35th annual Calgary Community Menorah Lighting, City Hall Atrium, uh, Am Israel Chai, uh, which you know people of Israel live, uh, mm. as I understand it to mean uh, unity, supporting Israel, and Jewish pride uh, is what it says. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I like I don't know. I mean, I guess on on one hand you could say, well, what do you expect it to say? Like, you know, obviously, but, but when you say, I mean, I think who, who was it? Was it Aurora in the chat? I think that, that, you know, the, the word is context and perception. And so right now in a time of conflict, mm -hmm. if you're going to say you're supporting a nation that is involved in conflict, uh, then it's going to come across as though you're kind of supporting that nation's role in the conflict. Like it's, it's very interesting when someone said if it said supporting Russia, a lot of people would perceive that to mean what's happening in Ukraine. And I find that and, and, and again, people are going to say, whoa, are you comparing Russia to Israel and, and yada, yada, yada? I'm not mm -hmm. trying to dig myself a big hole here, but the timing of it and the perception of it, I can see how that would, you know, if you have like, you know, some Russian Orthodox church uh, and they didn't do anything, they've got nothing to do with anything. Russian Orthodox Church in, in Alberta has nothing to do with Putin's aggression in Ukraine. Of course. But if you were to have, and and, and I'm, I'm embarrassed that I don't know more about Russian Orthodox celebrations, but why would I? Uh, if they were to have a big celebration around the holidays and, and the poster of it in big letters said, said supporting, supporting Russia, Russia. <laughs> yeah. uh, no fucking way a mayor would show up to that. Exactly. So, so I guess I get it in a way. Um, I don't know. I mean, for this, uh, like I, I would just say, and, and it comes... Back down to this for me. For me, I think you know one of the one of the insights that we can have on this show is is the messaging and the strategy around politics. We bring on political strategists all the time to help you understand why they're making the decisions they're making. And in this case, it's like I don't know who wrote her release. I don't know who wrote the statement that the mayor released, but it just seems to me to be a, a an individual that underestimated the impact it was going to have. And, I also and, agree with you and, there. And I think like they, they picked a fight mm -hmm. that they didn't have to pick. You can just say, unfortunately, I mean, this happens all the time. Like mm -hmm. a lot of times on this show, and, and we don't always spell it out for you real talkers, but every once in a while, all of a sudden there's like a half hour open. And if Johnny and I are talking about funny stories happening in Australia, chances are an interview dropped out at the very last minute. That's part of doing a talk show. So it's very normal. It's a very regular thing for a politician or, an, or you know, a, a leader of a company or, or an organization to say, hey, something's popped up last minute. Unfortunately, we're unavailable. And everybody moves on because mm -hmm. that stuff happens. There was no need for the mayor uh, really by way PR. of that statement to say, <laughs> yeah. like, it's gotten political. We were misled about the this, that. Like, what do you do? Just now, say I'm unavailable. Now you're hopping on the other side. Now now it looks like you're against it. Like, just leave it all out. Let's just celebrate the holiday season, however you're going to do it. Christmas, Hanukkah, Festivus, whatever it is. Let's just kind of leave that stuff out. And I know we talk about that a lot where, like, we need to talk about these important things, hockey games, et cetera, whatever. But when you're just simply going to light a Christmas tree or light a menorah, I, I really, I, the whole poster is fine to me. The whole event is fine to me, except that one sentence, because now I feel like if you show up, you're picking a side 
in a in a religious war that is has got everyone at odds right now. It's just it's just. But <laughs> again, I agree with you 100. percent Who in their right mind didn't just say, "Hey, let's say you're sick or scheduling something. conflict, like, like <laughs> maybe has COVID, like yeah. I, like whatever." Don't say what that. Up? But you know, you know what I mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, Not just feeling well that why, day. Why? Why do you? You know, it, pe- people say like this is like the oldest. Monster, this is like the old, this is comms 101. If you're explaining, you're losing. Uh, if you're explaining, you're losing. That's what I would say on this. Um, I appreciate this from Bunny Slippers, uh, who, who talking about, you know, Russian Orthodox churches, talks about Ukrainian Orthodox churches here, says the Ukrainian Orthodox churches, I know, says Bunny Slippers, have decided to ditch uh, celebrations on January 6th and 7th. Uh, you know, around Ukrainian Christmas, uh, says they're only going with the so-called English mm. Christmas dates. They want no association with the Russian Orthodox traditions at all. That from Bunny Slippers, okay. which is interesting to see in the chat. So I like this shout out from Bunny Slippers, too. We need an airing of grievances like Festivus from Seinfeld. Get the poll out. Well, we have it on we Friday. We have been doing that right now. The flamethrower. <laughs> yeah. That's the Maybe that's what we'll do. We'll do like a special holiday edition airing of grievances uh, presented by the DQs of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park, the weekly flamethrower tradition. You can send us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. This is a great handle in our chat, all caps. What? The handle is what? So what says the mayor of Calgary is a truth teller. And that is why she provides the reason she will not attend. Sure. Um, saying that it's a scheduling conflict would be worse. Uh, I respectfully 100% disagree. Mm. Um, it's not maybe, like, maybe if she said she was sick and got caught and she well, wasn't sick. Well, we don't sick, have to lie but about. Yeah, just say there's a schedule. There's conflict. a conflict. And then go to something else and make sure you're seen there. Or don't even do that. You like, know what I mean? You know what I, you know, just, you, politicians aren't, in, in so many ways as nobody else, like we've had moments on this show, and, and gosh, I love like our most hardcore audience members, but there have been times where we've cited like a professional development day or what, what did we call it most recently? We called it a, uh, what was it? Uh, we, we had to take a Monday off of the show and we called it like a uh, I don't remember what we called it but it was like it was a development something like that the truth of the matter was I didn't have a voice I could not talk Mm -hmm. I couldn't talk and people are writing in like and we love you but writing in like demanding to know the reason and the, the fact of the matter is like we don't owe you a reason. We love no, you guys. We love you, but, but like this show nobody, is free. But n- nobody, <laughs> nobody owes anybody an explanation about their personal availability to something. And some of you have probably found yourselves in situations through these holidays where you're invited to something and you don't want to be there. And maybe it's because like the person that slept with your husband is there, or maybe it's because the person that swindled you out of a business deal might be there and you don't want to see them, or maybe it's because the person that was denied denying COVID and making fun of people that wore masks on Facebook is going to be there. And you don't want to talk to that person. You don't have to announce that that's why you don't want to be there. Mm. You just let people know you're unavailable. You let them know that you have a personal conflict or you just don't let them know anything and you don't show up. The mayor doesn't have that luxury on the menorah lighting. Mm -hmm. Obviously there had to be something. So I think a scheduling conflict is what makes sense. Guess what? Things pop up when you're the mayor of a city of a million people. Technical maintenance. That's what we said we were doing, which is no, pretty no, much no. true because this te- studio. No, not te- we didn't say technical. We said it we was did. a maintenance day. We said it was a maintenance yeah, day, yeah. which is true. I was maintaining my voice so I could talk <laughs> on the Tuesday. 
But it's, it's just not, you know, Ryan doesn't have a voice. We're not doing a show. That's pathetic. Now we can tell you because you've listened to this point in the episode. So you guys get the extra little tidbits. I also want to remind you that if you're looking for that gift for the person that has everything, the person that you're sharing your life with, and you know that that person desperately wants an outdoor kitchen or a water feature or maybe that artificial turf that stays green all year round, what better gift than a meeting with the team at Eden Landscaping. What better gift than a backyard overhaul? I mean, if you're thinking big about bringing your outdoor space to life, this is a perfect time of year to make contact with Mike and his team and get that conversation started. They're a custom landscape builder with more than 20 years of on-the-ground experience in Edmonton and area. And the first consultation with them, obviously a conversation about design and inspiration, It's cost-free. You're not going to be paying for it. They'll give you an opportunity to learn a little bit more about how they operate. Heck, you can ask them about the backyard they did for us. We're thrilled to talk about it. And based on our experience with them, we recommend Eden Landscaping with two thumbs up. You can find them online at landscapeedmonton.ca. Alberta Girl says, Jesper, let's not promote more lies from politicians. We're not talking about lying. We're not talking about lying. (laughs) We're just talking about effective messaging. All right. Here's something we can all agree on. Our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy, the first episode of every week, we appreciate them, right? They give us an opportunity to focus on something super positive. They give us an opportunity to put aside the news cycle for a second and celebrate good things happening to good people. It's positive reflections where we say no to negativity and we harness positive energy, renew our faith in humanity, courtesy of Kubi. And I'm so happy to talk to you about the story of Ocean Bell. She's 49 years of age. She's living in the UK and she's studying healthcare. In particular, she wants to work in hospitals, right? She wants to work in hospitals, but she was having a tough time meeting her tuition costs. And so she had moved in with friends of hers, 49 years of age. She's living on their couch. She's sleeping on their couch. She's using their shower. She's feeling a little bit self-conscious, but she knows she's going to complete her studies and then she's going to get a job. Well, she had like a $10 a uh, surplus, let's say, in her budget. So she decided to draw, or she decided to purchase a ticket for a draw, a lottery draw, uh, for a $5 million home in West London, in Chelsea. Well, you know where this is going, obviously. Guess what? The four-story home? She won it! She won the home worth $5 million Canadian. Uh, in the area of Kelsea, uh, Kensington and Chelsea comes mortgage-free. And Johnny, this is great too. They also cover all the taxes and legal fees. Like so that. she's not going to get hit with that. Damn. Now she's studying full-time at the University of Sunderland. She's just about to finish her Bachelor of Science degree in health and social care. Now she can do whatever she wants. She can live in the house, she can rent it out, or she can sell it and basically put five mil in her pocket. Now she blocked the number when they first tried to call her because she didn't recognize it. But of course, when they finally got in touch with her, she says winning the house is obvious in her words, obviously the best Christmas present ever. She said it was a Friday night when they called. This is just a couple of days ago. She'd been writing her dissertation all day, feeling a bit down in the dumps. She said feeling stressed, had no money. She got a few calls from the number, and then the prize team just showed up at the address where she was at. She put her address on the ticket she purchased. They showed up to let her know that they won, and when she answered the door, when she opened the door, they were there singing Christmas carols, And then they handed her the keys to her $5 million mansion. So a shout out to Ocean 
Bell, 49 years of age in West London. Good things happening to good people. If you know a story like this, or maybe a story that happened in your personal life, somebody paying it forward, a random act of kindness closer to home, we'd love to hear it. You can send us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Just punch positive reflections into the subject line, and we'd love to tell it in a future episode of Real Talk, proudly presented by our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy. Coming up on Tuesday's episode of Real Talk, we're going to check in with National Post columnist Tristan Hopper. Coming up on Wednesday's show, we're going to hang out with the Discourse co-hosts, Cheryl Oates and Erica Barudis. We're going to get a bunch of mayors in the house on Friday for an Alberta Municipalities Real Talk roundtable. And we want you to circle your calendar as well for Thursday, the 21st of, Jan- of December. That's going to be our final public episode of the year a group chat roundtable the 22nd that's a friday it's us and our real talk patrons it's a private zoom party per our annual tradition we're gonna have a ton of fun there's gonna be some prize giveaways some trivia we're gonna have some laughs if you want to be part of that you can sign up to support real talk on patreon we sure appreciate it on our website ryanjesperson.com make it a great day and thank you for supporting real talk Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.